Coming up on the 10-Minute Drill, we answer your phone calls about NBA free agency and trades and also review the Home Run Derby. Stay tuned. Yo, guys, if I was going to sue anybody, it would be Dan Gilbert from the Cleveland Cavaliers if we're talking basketball. But the problem is, man, if I sue him, he's probably going to lowball me anyway, so I'm not going to get paid out. That's my thoughts. What's up, guys? Aaron here. Check this out. I've never heard anything as absurd as an owner suing a fan. But here's what really needs to happen, right? Because that's absolutely, that's insane. But what really needs to happen is we as Nick fans, New York Knickerbocker fans, we need to band together. We need a class action lawsuit. We need to sue James Dolan for post-traumatic stress, emotional distress, assault, psychological warfare. Like we can probably make something up and then prove it. And it'll be valid in a court of law here in the state of New York. Because it, the, the life as a Knicks fan is not easy. So that's what needs to happen. If owners can sue fans, we need to sue James Dolan. He's got the money. At least Phil's got the money. Somebody's got it. <laughs> if James doesn't have the money anymore, it's because he gave it, he gave it to Phil. <laughs> Aaron, please, I'm serious. Let's do this. I'm not even kidding. This guy has been the direct cause for my gray hairs that are growing in my head, and I'm not even of age right now to be having these type of things. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that he is the worst owner in sports. We could sue him for punitive damages of emotional stress. You know, he, he has affected my life and it's, it's made me hard to watch basketball, things like that. I think we'd be millionaires. I think it'd work. Let's get this guy out of ownership. He has literally ruined probably the most valuable franchise in the NBA. Hey, hope you guys are doing well over there. And I wanted to call in because someone mentioned the uh, kind of the shift in power balance between the East and West. And there's been an imbalance, I mean, for a while, for maybe over a decade now. And I think the fact that it's the two conferences are out of balance are even more evident now. Um, so I've always liked the idea of the NBA going from an East versus West playoff bracket to just taking the top 16 teams, regardless of conference, and then seeding them that way and then have your playoffs play out that way. So it doesn't really matter what conference you're in. You're just going to be, if you're the best team overall, you're going to be the number one seed. If you have the worst, if you have the 16th worst record, then you're number 16 and you play the number one seed. I thought that would really kind of shake things up and make things a little more interesting, kind of shake up the rivalries that are developed in the playoffs. Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think. Popcorn Finance, thanks for the call. I actually like this idea a lot. I think it would make the playoffs so much more interesting if you had, let's just say, your 7-10 matchup, that, yeah. could, that could be something like the Cavs and the Clippers or something like that from this year. So I'm just going off the top of my head. That would be phenomenal. I think that would have been so much more of an entertaining first-round series than Pacers-Cavs or Clippers-Jazz. So I think they could make some very cool first-round matchups. I think you can make a very interesting playoff bracket. AJ, what do you think? I think it's a great idea, and I would love to see it too. But let's be real, the NBA would never, ever do it. But just looking forward to next year, like here's a team, someone in the West is going to miss the playoffs. You got between the Blazers, the Grizzlies, let's say Nuggets. the Nuggets got better the Timberwolves got better and then like the Jazz under like a handful of those teams two or three are going to miss the playoffs and then that's going to be stars out of the playoffs so the Pelicans you're you're missing Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins if they don't trade him and that would just be far better than a team like the Pacers or the Bulls dragging their feet into the playoffs so if you really look at the Western Conference it would probably end up being 
if it was six teams, it would honestly probably be 11 teams from the Western yeah. Conference and five teams from the Eastern Conference next year. And I just think when you want to put the best product on the floor, which the NBA should want to do, you want the playoffs. Everyone talked about how boring the playoffs were this year. They would be far better next year if exactly like he said, it was just a 16-team bracket and that was who you were playing. You know, you're playing the Warriors. You're looking at, let's say, like Warriors versus wizards or something like that they're like bucks in the first round and then like, Ooh, like yeah. you're getting down to you're getting down imagine like a Cavs spurs is like a semi-final match yep. or something like that oh, I, mean, awesome. I think it would be way better than just saying okay this we need to put this team in the playoffs even though they sucked they might they like a team that won 36 games next year in the east is probably gonna get in the playoffs yes like that's and that's just bad so like you shouldn't have you shouldn't be forced to put that type of product in the playoffs because of the conferences i think it'd be better if like popcorn finance said you eliminated them hey what's up guys it's me again from the game time guru uh i like the segment on the summer league um i'm one of the few people i believe that truly enjoys watching summer league basketball just because of the passion that the that the players have because they're all trying to make a team or make an impression somewhere um i just think that uh my thoughts on it um Lonzo Ball, him coming out the second game and totally, you know, <laughs> reviving himself uh, was awesome. I also really thought that uh, Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz, he's kind of being overlooked right now with all the uh, other major names out there, but Donovan Mitchell has played a solid summer league. He had a great couple of games in Utah uh, he, in the Salt Lake Summer League. He was dominating, so uh, keep an eye out for Donovan Mitchell. Game Time Guru, thanks for the call. Completely agree about the Summer League. These are guys that are playing with passion every single second they're on the floor because, like you said, they're fighting for spots. They're fighting for jobs. And I also like it because it gives us a chance to see these guys on their new team so close to after the draft. You know, we're not waiting until September, October to see these guys playing. They're putting them on the floor immediately with their new team. But... Donovan Mitchell, I completely agree. He was I'm a Hornets fan, and Mitchell was on my wish list of who I wanted the Hornets to draft. Now, Malik Monk did come above him, so I'm happy they got Monk. But Mitchell, I think, was a very underrated prospect. Six foot three, a seven foot wingspan, so he's capable of guarding not only both guard positions, but also extending to the small forward position. And he's very good offensively and defensively. He's athletic. He's a playmaker. And I wonder if the Jazz... They traded up in the draft to get him. They got rid of Trey Lyles, who wasn't panning out to be what they expected him to be. So they got rid of Trey Lyles to trade up to get Donovan Mitchell. And I think... I wonder if they saw the writing on the wall thinking, hey, Gordon Hayward might be leaving in free agency, and now obviously we know that he did, so maybe they said we need to go get a wing player that could be a playmaker, that could be a dynamic guy, and brings a different aspect to our team, and he has been very overlooked in the Summer League because he was one of the underrated prospects coming in, you know, everything was about, like Josh and I talked about yesterday too, the guards, Dennis Smith, Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball's second game, like you said, that was huge for him to come out and kind to silence the critics with that triple double but I definitely agree that Donovan Mitchell is one of the most overlooked guys right now and I think he could find his way into the starting rotation for the Jazz come October come the regular season so thanks again for the call all rise for the judge Aaron Judge becomes the first rookie ever to win the home run derby he did so last night defeating Miguel Sano 13 to 12 in the final round but when Aaron Judge hit the game winning 13th home run he still had about a minute and 10 seconds left on the clock so he no doubt could have hit more and I for one was thoroughly entertained by last night's home run derby 
obviously most entertaining was Justin Bohr, who wasn't a bore at all, went out there and put on a show for the home crowd, hit 22, and it looked like Aaron Judge was going to be in trouble without even getting out of the first round as the favorite to win. But he came out, he puts on a show, he hits 23 to advance past Bohr. I mean, Judge is just brute power and it's almost like everything he hits could leave the park. He is a guy that I think could win the next eight home run derbies, and I don't mean that as an exaggeration. If he competes in them, there is a high chance that he is going to be winning the home run derby. But the home run derby had the theatrics. It had the Cody Bellinger with his dad pitching to him. Hit, you know, he needs one more home run to he needs one more home run to tie. He, and he's running out of time. He hits a home run as time expires. It goes over 440. He gets his bonus time. And then he goes on to beat Charlie Blackman in the first round. Now, Bellinger lost to Judge. The two rookie phenoms went head-to-head -head in the semifinals. But it had the theatrics. It had the show. It had the fun that you want to see. And that was really what baseball needed. That's why you watch the home run derby. You want to see the explosions. You want to see the big shots. Judge hit one 513. And he hit one that hit the roof as it was going up that somehow didn't get counted as a home run so all in all all the home run guys last night put on a show starting with Aaron Judge all the way down to Miguel Sano Cody Ballinger everyone put on a show and I had a great time watching it so let us know what you guys think about the home run derby what your immediate reactions were hit us up hit us up on Twitter at 10 minute drill or call into the station MLB All-Star Game tonight, and I am here to talk about one thing, a change that was made to the All-Star Game recently that I love, and one thing that I don't like about the All-Star Game. So first, to get into the thing that I love, I love that it no longer determines home field advantage for the World Series. The All-Star Game is something where the players should be able to go out and have fun. It shouldn't be something where the guys that are on the teams that are expecting to be contenders at the end of the year are saying, oh man, we need to win this game because home field advantage in the World Series is a huge deal. I I mean, it should be determined by the best record of the two teams playing, and that is what it is now. But it used to be that the winner of the All-Star game had home field advantage, and I just thought that was crazy. I understand wanting to make it mean something, but at the same time, you want to see the players go out there to have fun. And I think that's what they should be doing, and that's what I look for them to do now that the... All-Star Game doesn't determine the home field advantage in the World Series, so I am really glad that they did away with that. And the one thing I still don't like about the All-Star Game is the fact that every team has to have a representative. I think that's bogus. I think you should have to earn your spot into the All-Star Game. It shouldn't just be given to you because your team doesn't have a representative. And, you know, as a player, you would really think you would want to earn that spot too. say, I earned this all-star bid. I wasn't handed this all-star bid because I'm on a bad team that doesn't have any representatives. I mean, I don't think it's fair because you have players that might have stipulations and contracts that says, hey, if you make the all-star game, you'll get a bonus. But then maybe they don't make the all-star game because there's three other guys on their team that are better that are better or receiving more votes. And then you're left out of the all-star game and you don't get a bonus, even though you deserved it just because another team has to have a representative put in. And I know a lot of times they'll just put in a relief pitcher if your team doesn't earn a representative. But still, relief pitchers are people too, and they could be out there earning all-star bids. So I think it's wrong that they choose to have every team representative. If you don't have a, a person on your team good enough to make the all-star team, they shouldn't be playing in the all-star game. So that's my take. Let us know what you guys think about the home field advantage in the World Series and about every team having to have a, rep having to have a representative. So... Hit us up on Twitter at 10 Minute Drill or call into the station. Thanks for listening.